Welcome back to episode 44 of the Hockey House podcast presented by Sally Hockey Co., where we cover all the latest news in non-NCAA college hockey here in the United States. I'm your host, Mackenzie Murphy, joined by Stephen Glick, Colin Fitzgerald, and our executive producer, David Herman. Glick, how was this past weekend for the Owls? Uh, it was definitely a very good weekend for the Owls. We got a big win against Townsend, so we moved to first in the ECHA, so we're, trying to, we're hoping to keep that momentum going this into this weekend because we have two big games against Villanova and Duquesne. Yeah, that game uh, against Villanova is one we're going to highlight later on. Fitz, big weekend for you. Talk about the home opener in Binghamton. I mean, that crowd looked electric. Yeah, it was, it was pretty exciting. Probably the most exciting game I've played my whole life. I got there like five hours before puck drop, and then and my third shift, I get leg checked and I was out. So I didn't get to experience it all, but I'll be back in a few weeks. So it was nice just to, you know, be with the boys. They got a big win. It was a big one goal win. I've uh, never been a part of something like that. So it was pretty cool. How's the leg feeling now? It's good. Got the uh, the MRI results back today. They thought my MCL might have been torn, but we're we're all good. So just a few weeks, we'll be we'll be back out there. MRIs in the Fed are they they covering that for you? They're covering it for me, surprisingly. <laughs> wow, that's awesome. I think one of the coolest things about Binghamton though is like former AHL city to have a Fed team. Like a lot of people would be like, ah, you know, not the level of hockey I I want to pay to watch, but really cool to see a sellout on opening night. There were some uh, some Binghamton Devils flags waving through the crowd, so they, they haven't let go of uh, some of the past teams, but we'll, we'll convert them soon. Well, that's good, because I went to a crunch game this weekend, uh, not the one that Herm photographed, but I went to a crunch game, and they lost to the Utica Comets, who are the, now the Devils farm team, and and I can't stand Utica. I, they're, I don't know if you guys have followed, but Herm, maybe you've seen their Twitter person is nuts. Whoever runs the Utica Comet, I want to call them the Utica Devils so bad because that's they just seem like that should be their name. They got called out because they were chirping Cole Caulfield. Caulfield's dad actually came out and was like, that's really unprofessional for a team's Twitter account to be chirping my son or something. I don't know. There's a big deal about it. But the, the crunch people always chirp back at the, at the Comet's Twitter account. So I thought I'd... I'd bring that in. But Herm, we'll, we'll go to you next. I mean, you spent the weekend in Syracuse. Uh, what are your, your thoughts on the weekend? A whole lot of fun. I spent 11 hours in total on Greyhound buses, which was not as bad as expected, honestly. That five and a half hour drive up to Syracuse would, went by like lightning fast. Really fun getting to do a double header on Saturday where I went to the afternoon Cuse game and got to photograph warmups and some of the alumni ceremonies before the game, before getting to pretty much explore the entire rink and photograph, before bouncing over to the Upstate Medical, uh, the, f- the name of it. It's it's longish. I don't know what it is. Upstate Medical University Arena at the Onondaga County War Memorial. How the f- am I supposed to remember that, Murph? I just remembered it, and we're playing there in December, so I better have it memorized by now. It's a mouthful. That's what it is. It used to be just the On Center. Back in the day when they were filming Slapshot there, it used to be just the War Memorial. So that's all the, all the townies just call it the War Memorial. So... That was a lot of fun. So I I bounced over to that mouthful of an arena, got to reconnect with friend of the podcast, Jim Sorosi, got to meet the wonderful Megan Cahill in person who runs the Crunch's media, social media, digital. Uh, She does everything and is just so, so good at what she does. I met Scott Thomas the Crunch's team photographer since 2012, who so kindly showed me around all of the ins and outs of the arena, where to shoot in terms of the corners and how to navigate and the press boxes. It was really, really cool. 
getting to see his perspective and and pick his brain before we got underway and got to shoot AHL hockey. And I've only photographed hockey at an ACHA and juniors level and trying to track people like Cole Caulfield at ice level with a camera is a real challenge. Dude's really, really fast and it's hard to do. But I got a whole bunch of pictures that that turned out quality. Seven out of 10 of them were featured on the Crunch's social media when they did their photographer recap, which was really, really cool to see. And you can check out my work on either my Instagram page or uh, my Instagram page at Deherms Photo or the team's official Flickr account. Also did some uh, some babysitting work over the weekend. We're not going to get too deep into that, but it certainly felt like I was back in college again with taking care of some drunk housemates. Yeah, it was a, a classic. Some guys came back for alumni weekend and maybe thought their system could handle a little more than it did. And so, I mean, tough scheduling part. Alumni weekend is usually you play Friday, Saturday, and then you get to go out and have a good time with all the alumni and they really enjoy it. But unfortunately we were playing Saturday, Sunday. So the ceremony is on a Saturday night. All the alumni are like, guys, like we want to go out. We want to go out. And we're like, oh, we lost tonight. Like we got to go back tomorrow and play. Like not that it was all we wanted the next day, but a lot better of an effort from us. We had some guys pretty beat up last weekend, but great weekend for the program. It's always nice. It's the third annual alumni hall of fame weekend. Third time we've done it since I've been here too. So that's cool to be a part of. It's really cool. I mean, Syracuse hockey is 62 years old. Now we had guys from the original team come in. We had a guy speak to us in the locker room before the game. And it's just so funny. Like the problems that we have now, not nearly as bad as they once were in the sixties, but they're the same. We had a guy talk about the, this, uh, gray box and it was just passed down from team captain to team captain on like how to fill out league dues and a lot of relatable stuff and it's always good hearing those guys because they come back and you know we we lost a, a tough one on on saturday night but they're like guys like you didn't, maybe didn't play well but it's so cool for us to see you guys out there in jerseys on a rink on campus and like competing how you did like how professionally run this program is it's awesome compared to what it used to be so it's always a great weekend of reflection and looking back on where the program was and it was more than happy to have uh, Herm for the weekend, which was great too, because he was able to capture so many of those moments. Moving into things, Selly Hockey has a new hat up on their website. I don't know if you guys saw this, but the South Central LA snapback now comes in a new heathered gray option. It's the first of its kind from Selly Hockey when it comes to the retro snapback style. They haven't had a heathered gray one. They used to have one on their website. I don't know if it's still up anymore, but this is the vintage snapback style. It now comes in heathered gray. I love these hats. I cannot get enough of them. I'm going to do a big order for myself. Uh, coming up, I wear the black Eden Hall snapback almost every day. I've washed it a couple times now. And my go-to usually is the Hawaii hockey one. That's like a light pastel blue. I got it dirty the other day. It's usually a crowd pleaser at the bar. People just love laughing at it that it says Hawaii hockey. It really gets a lot of smiles at the bar. And I just like to say, oh, Sally Hockey Co., check them out. So be sure to check out the hats. Going to be great with uh, the holidays coming around. They make a perfect gift for the hockey fans out there. A lot of action around the ACHA this week. Like I said, Herm and I were pretty busy here in Syracuse, so we weren't able to follow along like we normally do with all the action. Thankfully enough, people love to submit the highlights and what they took away from the weekend. So we'll start off. Fitz, you'll, you'll help us here, but we had uh, Joey Swiderski of Illinois State. He had a highlight reel goal against Midland. Breakaway goalie, dekes out the goalie, 
And then uh, the goalie extends his pad and he kind of Bobby Orr style into the net, which was great to see. But uh, we had some questions about Illinois State's rink. Can you answer them for us? For sure. Is that the rink that you guys used to have tryouts at when they didn't have ice at Indiana? So their D1 team played on like the Pepsi Center and it was like a legit arena. Was this their D2 team? No, this was their D1 team. And so Herman and I were watching the highlights and we were astonished how big this arena was. Yeah. And the fact that they didn't share it with a pro hockey team, like they have their logo at center ice and there's no ads on the boards. No, I don't want to chirp uh, low attendance because, you know, we're not really packing it at Syracuse as Herm saw. But I mean, a lot of empty blue seats. They play at this ginormous arena. I think a USHL team used to be there. And because I remember going and playing, there's like another crappy rink attached to the big one and we got sent to the crappy one but jack hughes was playing that night on the usa development team against whatever ushl team was there so i'm pretty sure that's what's going on gotcha so they used to have hockey at the ushl level now they don't and the main tenant is the acha illinois state redbirds uh, we had you mary defeat jamestown in their first d1 matchup of the weekend i think We'd all love to see you, Mary, maybe make the jump to Division One by now. They just seem like such a powerhouse. They usually take on the Jimmies, and they usually take on Minot State, so they handled the Jimmies in their first meeting of the season. In terms of quality hockey, if you want to talk about the best of the best in the ACHA, we had a goaltending duel in Lynchburg this weekend. Hunter Verostek of the Flames came away with two wins, while rookie goalie Matvey Kazakov of Stony Brook was able to push the second game to a shootout and at least get a point for Stony Brook. But one of the comments we got is like, give me Liberty Stony Brook every weekend. Like if we could just watch those highlights on ESPN plus, I think people would take that. I think it's great product that the ACHA has to show. And I watched the highlights from both of those games and just back and forth action. Like a Liberty came from behind in the second game, pulled their goalie and scored with the extra man on eventually won it in a shootout. But place was rocking as usual i think an interesting takeaway from it is like this is covid year aside this is liberty's first year not playing in a conference and i think it gives us those exciting matchups almost every weekend because they get to pick the big name teams that they play against so i think that's something to watch for as they take on the bobcats next weekend who make the trip to lynchburg speaking of liberty flames legend quinn ryan tallied his first points in the echl for the Utah Grizzlies, we had talked about him a couple podcasts ago, how he was in the lineup for training camp, but he officially made the team and, he, and he's got points on the board now for the Utah Grizzlies. So we love seeing guys from the ACHA moving on in the pros, right, Fitz? Oh, you know it. As Glick says, ACHA to the show, never give up. We had plenty of nominees this weekend for the blowout of the week, but Adrian's Division Two team takes the cake. They defeated Akron 14 to one. I want to say it was eight nothing after the first period in this one. So good to see Adrian letting up a bit. But that, I mean, that's tough, tough place to play. Got to go all the way out to to Adrian, and then that kind of showing is just not not ideal. So hopefully the the Zips can rebound and have a good weekend this weekend. Some kind of breaking news this weekend: Maryville is making the jump to the CS. CHL in the 2022-2023 season. Herm, you found this one. You want to talk about it? It looks like Maryville is going to wind up filling the gap that Lindenwood jumping to the NCAA is going to wind up leaving. The CSCHL is a challenging, challenging division to play with. You've got a perennial ranked team in Ohio. You've now got Maryville. That's a huge program on the rise. You've got a sneaky team in Illinois. 
And then you've got a, a young and hungry program like Roosevelt. So I know we always talked about it when I was at OU. The CSCHL was one of the hardest divisions to play in the ACHA. It seems like the WCHL is taking that crown right now. But TBD, if the addition of Maryville might swing things back in the central state's collegiate hockey league's favor. Yeah, I think that just makes the most sense if you replace one St. Louis team with another St. Louis team. In terms of travel, teams are already going out and, and making that a part of their schedule. So I think that's a, a great move for the league moving forward. Gorgeous set of uniforms that debuted for Michigan State the other day. I wasn't aware that these were throwback uniforms, Herman. You saw these ones. What are they a throwback to? They're a throwback to the early 1900s logo of Michigan State when it was originally the Michigan Agricultural College. And it's got this really, really cool interlocked letter logo. Yeah, it looks like they beat the varsity team to an outdoor jersey. Great call on their part. And I think it's really cool, like talk about Hall of Fame weekend, but you see all these like old logos. And I think that's a really good way for teams who can't necessarily use the current branding of their athletic departments. Kind of a loophole way is to use some throwback logos. So that's off to the staff at, at Michigan State who made those. But in other D2 action, we had Miami of Ohio was handed their first loss of the season. That streak was snapped by the Liberty Flames who have been on a roll in Division Two? They kind of seem like one of the teams to beat. They handled you, Mary. They took two of three from the Marauders. So I, th- I think this is a team to watch, but Herm always gets a smile when he sees Miami of Ohio lose. So I know that he had fun watching that box score. Michigan wasn't the only team to release new jerseys this weekend. We also had some out of Georgia Tech that raised the eyebrow of John Butchergrass. He tweeted about them. I love this logo. It's the Georgia Tech logo, but they put the hockey stick in it. Like I, I would I would wear a T-shirt with that. I would wear a sweatshirt with that. I don't know if I'm a fan of the gold jersey. A lot of stripes on the shoulders and the waistband, but the logo is just gorgeous. They need to make merch as soon as possible so I can get some of that. Another team that released new jerseys was Minot State. They updated a look that they've had for a couple of years now. They wore red on the road with white helmets, and then they wore white at home with red helmets. Looks like they're just going to use red helmets for both jerseys now. Uh, They've got a white one at home and then a black one on the road. The white one at home has that classic Minot State Beaver logo that we we love with the hockey stick. And then the road jersey says Minot and has uh, the athletic branding on it, which is cool to see because I know the athletic department at Minot State has kind of become more involved with the the hockey program. So we love seeing that and they're integrating that that Beaver head logo. Not as good of jerseys, though, as their women's team that uses the green and red kind of Christmas style New Jersey Devils retro look. Those are some of my favorite jerseys in college hockey. We already touched on, on the Bobcats a couple times now, but the Olympia was the star of the show once again in Athens this weekend. I was sitting uh, in the nosebleeds of the crunch game while Herm was on a Greyhound and we were trying to figure out how to co- how the best way to cover this was because, I mean, the video footage was just great. We got guys on Ohio and Western Michigan. It was after warmups. They're on the ice pushing the Olympia off the ice um, and then they had the opening puck drop they had the ceremonial puck drop, and you can just see the streak of water left down the ice from pushing the Zamboni off. So, I mean, good news is the Bobcats turned it around. It appears that the Olympia is fine for now. I don't know, Herm, if you got an update at all. The Olympia is never fine. That's something that you just learn with Ohio hockey. It's you just pray to God it starts. We're we're getting to that. Oh God, I think it's really time to replace it. Point that the university has been at for the past decade. And is ignored. We know need those t-shirts in the Ohio bookstore. The Olympia is never fine. On a nice green shirt with white text, 
Uh, I think we should start selling those. I hope Jess is listening. Maybe they can drop a product line, uh, raise some money for the Bobcats. But in, in text, the Olympia is never fine. Duquesne had themselves a weekend. They went 3-0, and including an OT win on the road against Kent State, which we posted about. And then they went and upset number 22, Alabama. Good weekend for Duquesne. Love seeing that. Are those guys, they're also wearing their new jerseys. They got over the summer, so they're looking good while doing it. Herm, if you want to touch on it, it sounds like you're almost done with the Almanac project. We are very, very close to having, I want to choose my words carefully with this, a game changer of an experience for prospective players, parents, coaches, and social media managers. Every single one of those people mentioned is going to be able to use it in their own unique way. And we're going to see kids commit to the ACHA because of this. I got a text message over the weekend, and I'll, I'll pull this up real quick, from a buddy of mine. I can't go specifically into what my project contains, but I'll read his text message, which says, I sent emails to a list of schools, your list versus NCAA D3, and no joke, got four calls back-to-back from ACHA schools and zero responses from NCAA D3 schools. I'm filling out five applications today during work and never been more happy to apply to a school ever in my life. The fact that I was able to make something that is helping someone find a new home after a rough experience with NCAA D3 that is now finding a home in the ACHA means the world to me. And I really, really hope that people around the country are going to be able to use this to to find their own respective homes. Yeah, I mean, this is something that Herm and I have actually talked to the league about, and not to get into too much detail about it to spoil it, but this is a huge project. And like you said, it's a game changer um, it's going to change the way people not only communicate, but view the ACHA and, and get in touch with people around the league. So we can't wait for that to be released. And when it does, uh, we'll be the first ones reporting on it. Big weekend for Colorado. They swept in-state rival Colorado State on the road. Big shootout win. Herm and I caught the tail end of this one from the hockey house here in Syracuse. Some good shootout moves, a, a big shush to the Colorado State crowd, which you love to see. And then they came out firing the next day. I want to say they won 8-4. to four. Uh, It was a high-scoring affair. So uh, SCO buffs. And great weekend for the boys. We just posted that clip of Tommy Kleinman and Adam Trunko celebrating after the game. And boy, were they just fired up. It was cool to see that. Yeah, that's one of those rinks, too, where the fans are above you. I feel like those games are always a little bit more intense because it seems like the fans are on top of you and they're chirping at you. So to get a big win on the road like that, uh, I imagine that was a, a really fun bus ride back to Boulder. Speaking of bus rides, we're going to have a lot of teams in the Northeast making the quick bus ride to Marlboro, Massachusetts, where the national tournament will be held next season. I don't think this is much of a surprise to anyone because the tournament was canceled because of, of COVID um, and they opted to do the national tournaments at unique locations instead of having it all under one roof. But I know a lot of the New England guys will be pretty pumped because basically playing in front of a home crowd at the New England Sports Center in Marlboro, Massachusetts. Parentheses, Boston is what you want to call it. It's, as, it's about as close to Boston as Foxborough is. So, I mean, this is really cool. I know a guy like me is looking forward to it too because the opportunity to, to play in front of friends and family when you're competing for a national championship is exciting. Glad the ACHA is going back to Marlboro. I think that's going to be nuts. We've talked about it a lot on this podcast, but that rink has nine or ten sheets all under one roof. Like that place is going to be a zoo when it comes time for the national tournament. They should be able to play the games pretty quickly because they won't be waiting for ice sheets to use. So everything under the same roof in, in Marlboro. Lastly, on the rundown, shout out to one of our huge supporters at MU 
NC State mom on Instagram. She's the proud mother of two ACHA athletes, one at NC State and the other at Marquette. She said the boys are doing great this season, and we wanted to thank her for following the show. I, I believe she also follows us on Twitter, too. So we love to see the parents getting involved and in, in following along with the show. So huge shout out to her. Changing it up a bit this week. We didn't have a guest for this week due to some difficulties earlier in the week, but we have decided that this is being released on Friday. And because we are doing that on Friday, it gives us time to check out the rankings. And I know uh, the people in Division Two are going to be a bit disappointed that there's still no Division Two rankings, but we are going to cover the latest rankings for men's Division One and the latest for men's Division Three, as well as the women's rankings that, that have been released already too. So I guess we'll get started with, with men's Division One. Not too many surprises, but Herm, I think the, the biggest red flag right off the start was all of the teams that were previously not ranked by the computer that jumped into the computer rankings all lost. So that was Utah, NYU, Nova, and Bama. What are your thoughts on that? We have discussed the hockey house bump previously. What we have not discussed so far is the ever-prevalent hockey house curse, which we really are concluding is a definite thing. So... Sorry about that, boys. I mean, we got good friends with the guys at Nova. They split with Oswego, um, and they debuted their new Rebirth jerseys, too, so they were looking good. But some other teams that we want to point out in the rankings, Pitt moves up to 12. That's a really good hockey team that, that Pitt has. And another team that jumped up is Niagara at 17. I know they had lost to Nova in the finals of the, the Western New York Meltdown Tournament. But that, that's another good hockey team at Niagara. Shout out to Tom Moradian and his staff there. They've done a great job so far this season. It also appears as Missouri State. It's their highest ranking ever at number six. They are right behind Stony Brook at five, Iowa State at four, Liberty at three, Lindenwood at two, and Minot at number one. Another interesting thing, Rep McGibbon brought it up in the broadcast in the first game of the Stony Brook Liberty series, but Stony Brook opted to not pull their goalie, uh, which is an interesting tactic. And he he talked about how a lot of teams do that now because of the computer rankings. And if you pull the goalie and you let up a goal, it hurts your goal differential. So sometimes it's safer to just lose by two goals instead of losing by three goals. It's a big difference in the power rankings. So Interesting tidbit there from from Rhett McGibbon. Moving on to men's division three. Top five was starting with number one, the defending champs, Hope College. Two was Grand Valley State. Three, Florida Gulf Coast. Four, our guys at Central Michigan. And five, Dartmouth College, a team in the Northeast, making a name for themselves early on here in the D3 season. I know the guys at D3 were like begging for this ranking to come out. And I think it, it, there's not really many surprises here. Ferris State is at seven. Michigan State at eight. A lot of these, uh, the Michigan teams in Division Three, it's very densely populated by those Michigan teams in Division Three, especially at the top of the rankings. University of Arkansas is ranked 20th. They beat Division One Oklahoma. I guess that's a kind of odd. I would I would think that they're a little higher up than being number 20 in the rankings, but that's just how I'm my eye sees it. And then we did get some rankings for women's division one. A lot of familiar faces at the top. Number one, Liberty. Number two, Adrian. Number three, Indiana Tech. Number four, Lindenwood. And number five, Minot State. A lot of the same teams that we saw compete at the national tournament that was hosted by Minot State last year. So it seems like these teams are on, on par with their expectations early on here. We have UMass at number eight. I don't believe they played last year. Uh, but for the most part, I think a lot of these teams had a season last year during COVID. Moving on into the game of the week, we hinted at it a, a bit earlier in the show. This is one that, that Glick had had circled on his calendar for a while. We have a battle in Philly. Villanova and Temple are going to take on each other this weekend. 
Glick, wh- where are these games being played? So this weekend, we have both of our games on home ice at the Eagle Ice Arena. It definitely should be a good one. You know, we always have this game circled on our, on our calendar. We're looking forward to it all year, and we just know it's going to be an exciting game to watch and both play in. Yeah, I feel like anytime, I mean, we, we, we talked about it with Bob, the Gemis, but anytime the Philly Five teams play each other, it seems like... Uh, there's lots of fireworks so definitely a game that everyone gets up for and I mean, we've got guys on both sides here Aiden Collins is one of the backups for the Villanova Ice Cats and he runs the the Lax House podcast I know he's been a little bit more involved with their ACHA social media presence since we released the rankings so they've been a fun team to follow and then of course the Temple Owls and Glick so it'll be definitely an exciting one to watch this weekend in Philly some other games to watch the fourth annual UMass showcase featuring division two likes of UMass UNH Northeastern and Florida Gulf coast. Herman and I had talked about how we had talked with the ACHA and, and Craig Barnett. It seems like Florida Gulf coast is playing a lot of these showcase tournaments and that is due in large part to a lot of the teams in the South joining the CHF. So it's kind of, it's taken away a lot of the opponents that Florida Gulf coast used to play against in division two ACHA. So they find themselves traveling lots on the weekends, but it's good to see them. They're getting a lot of games in when they do these. So they'll take on UMass UNH and Northeastern. Um, I wonder if Keene state got snubbed out of the showcase. It seems like there's a lot of good teams in the Northeast. I know Keene state plays UMass UNH and Northeastern. So I wonder if they just filled that fourth spot with Florida Gulf coast or if they were considering other new England teams. I know we also follow Roger Williams a lot too so in division one another battle in michigan we have adrian taking on davenport always fireworks when those two teams get together Uh, i expect that game to be pretty physical and come down to the wire. We have Nebraska taking on Arkansas. Mentioned already too, Ohio's traveling to Liberty. We already mentioned the the Yellow Jackets from Georgia Tech. They're going to take on in-state rival, the Georgia Bulldogs. So those are your games to watch this week. Be sure to to check them out and check out all of the snapbacks that Selly Hockey Co. has to offer. You can head over to sellyhockeyco.com slash collections slash hats to see all the snapbacks they have to offer the hottest sellers of the trinidad and tobago hats so if you're looking for the perfect christmas gift jump on it now while they're in stock because these won't last long selly hockey snapback is the perfect gift for the hockey player in your life herm i know you touched on it a bit earlier but kind of speak about the the difference between photographing an ahl game and an acha game because i think you have access to a lot more especially with the the holes in the glass and the lighting and, and everything that comes with being in an AHL rink. It's a little bit back and forth for this particular season because of some of the holdover restrictions with COVID. So one of the fortunate things that I've been a- I was able to do with Cuse, that I was able to do with the Connecticut Chiefs, that I was able to do with the Detroit Fighting Irish was photograph physically from the bench. So while play was going on, be there. And that's how you saw I got the photo of the celebration that you posted on the Syracuse hockey account. That's not something I can pull off during an AHL game. But for those of you that have watched Rick and Morty, there's a there's a bit that goes on during one of the episodes about true level. After shooting through a photo hole and shooting in actual arena quality lights, I don't know if I'm going to be able to go back to terrible... I'm scratching my head on how I'm going to make this work with the camera settings. Oh my God, I'm frustrated as hell because of my outcome type deal. I looked at the the images that I, w- I got straight off of my, my camera and I was like, oh, these are good. Like I knew I could experiment with my settings, whereas there's a fine limitation with some of the lighting conditions at amateur rinks. And I think that's the, the perfect way to segue into our question of the week. Fitz got to play in, in an arena that used to host an AHL team. 
And uh, it's a question that we used to ask on bus rides and, and get into long debates about it at team dinners. But if you are your age right now and you're making your AHL debut, what city would you want to play in? And you can factor in anything you want. If you want to factor in the nightlife of a city, it's proximity to a college. If you want to factor in the rink, the fans, uh, the overall vibe that the city gives off. Um, so I'm, I'm curious what you guys would think. And, and Herm, I'll throw it over to you first. I have nothing but positive things to say about the Charlotte Checkers. Their organization is widely regarded around the league as one of the best. Charlotte is a really cool city to be in. I'm going to have to go with them. The only place in Charlotte I've ever been to is the airport. So I don't really have many things to say about the Queen City of Charlotte. Fitz, what did you have on your list? Uh, I would pick Henderson, the Silver Knights. I just saw that they're located right by Las Vegas, so... Pretty jealous of the the UNLV boys. I think that I'd have to make up for it by missing out on uh, the college opportunity. I'll I'll play some some AHL hockey there. It is crazy how the city of Las Vegas has just like thrown itself at the game of hockey. Like they are packing Golden Knights games, Henderson Silver Knights games at the Orleans Arena, and then they are packing games at City National Arena for the Rebels. So. You love seeing a city like that fall in love with the game of hockey. I know people are always saying that, I guess, these wacky, maybe maybe 20 years ago, you never would have thought Vegas would have a, a pro hockey team. And now, look, like people would be calling you crazy back in the day. But, Glick, you went with a little more traditional market for your pick. Yeah, I decided to go with the uh, Toronto Marlies. I don't know if that's kind of cheating because they also have an NHL team. But it's always been a dream of mine to go live in Canada. And there's no better place to live than Toronto. It's basically the New York City of Canada. It just seems like such a great place to live. I mean, maybe the first few years... I'll have to live in a shoebox apartment, but hopefully my, uh, you know, I'll be able to get some money somehow to be able to live in something decent. I think the Marlies are a really good organization too. Cause they're so, I mean, the Leafs are so hands-on with them. I think they, they treated a lot like almost a varsity and a JV team there in Toronto with both teams being in the same city and making sure that everybody's kind of on the same page for my pick. I, I would go with San Diego. I think that's just, I've never been to California before, so I'd have to get it used to living out there. But I mean, the gulls, they, they look like they pack the place. And I mean, Padres games look really fun. Shout out to my boy, Don Orsillo grew up listening to him with Red Sox games. Games. I would live in San Diego. I think that would be a great place to play hockey at a young age. So that wraps up the show this week. We'll come back next week and we'll have plenty of guests for you to listen to on the interviews. But as always, remember to tag your photographer in your pictures. Be safe this weekend. See you boys. See you boys.